Welcome to We've Never Been Clicked, the uh, Good Bull Hunting interview show, and we have a guest today. So this is very exciting. Um, I am joined by my co-host, Cool Hand Lucas. How are you doing? Good. WNBC. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have to go find the intro now for that show. Our very highly anticipated guest is the one and only Ben Baby, formerly of Dallas Morning News on the A&M Beat, making his way up to Cincinnati in the near future. Are you excited, Ben, or are you? is everything hectic? Uh, I will be. I, it's, it's a mix of both. I will be much happier when I uh, finally get to unpack an apartment. Uh, I, I, I kid you not, I've had a halfway unpacked apartment for like three months because we knew that there's a possibility that that we could be moving. So now it's just going to be nice to not have any boxes just laying around everywhere. So I am very excited about that. Oh, that's cool. Have you been slacking on the A&M beat knowing that you might be making a move? Uh, I felt it. No, I, I tell you what, cause we actually had, they actually had a, I had a project on my final day uh, that involved a lot of uh, Fran Inc. You may be familiar with uh, the LLC of one Dennis Francione. <laughs> um, so I spent so so I spent my uh, last A and M last days as an A and M beat writer writing about the Fran era. What can be better than that? <laughs> That's amazing. Is that published already? Oh yes, it's out. Yeah, it's out on on that. And so it was it was interesting. I actually uh, there were lots of lots of quotes that didn't get ran from his accountant. I got a hold of his accountant. He was fantastic. Um, for that story, it was kind of how he had an LLC and, you know, Kevin Sumlin, Tom Herman, Ed Orgeron, uh, a lot of guys have them and kind of why. Uh, it's funny, uh, Fran, uh, the accountant told me on the record, he said, I highly doubt the newsletter stuff would have came out if he had just beaten a couple of these teams. That he, and I didn't know, I don't still don't know a ton about the Fran era. I'm sure nobody really wants to relive the Fran era in the A&M world. But uh, I didn't realize, I mean, he made it sound like A&M was very, very close to like, winning the national championship one year and I didn't include it in the story. So I really didn't go back and check and see how accurate that was. But I was, I'll, I'll let y'all be the judge of that. Is that true? No, I could tell you that you didn't need to fact check that one. We were not close to winning the national championship under Fran. What was the peak nine wins, including the bowl? The peak that was uh, the year we went nine and four. We went to holiday bowl and got thrashed by a uh, Cal with Deshaun Jackson and uh Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> that was the good year, Ben. So we <laughs> If, if he, made, he made it sound like they were like four point, like uh, like a few possessions away from like going undefeated. Like if a couple things just fell right, <laughs> no, it's, it was it was a good run. I really enjoyed it. But anyways, let's get to business. Very good. <laughs> so, are you? Do you have uh, Ohio experience, or is this going to be totally new for you? Yeah, no, I've been in Ohio all of uh, three days of my life, and that was me trying to find an apartment last weekend. Okay, so so you haven't experienced Cincinnati in the winter time. No, I have not. I've heard it's lovely. 
yeah, just be glad that you're moving now and not in the winter. Because uh, my own personal question for you was going to be Texas summer or Ohio winter, but maybe you don't know that answer yet. No, no, I will just go ahead and say Texas summer because I can still I can handle a Texas summer. I've dealt with the heat my whole life, so I'm actually kind of looking forward to the cold a little bit. Um, you know, I probably will regret this statement um, in a few <laughs> months, but you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> the so are you the only? Uh, like dedicated person to the Bengals beat? How does that work at ESPN? We've got a uh, an NFL beat writer in every city or for every team. So there's 32 of us um, and we are just covering that specific. I covered the Bengals specifically and we've got somebody else who will do the uh, – Jake Trotter who used to cover the Big 12 uh, for ESPN now covers the Browns. Um, you know, so, it, so there's going to be uh, – I'll have a colleague basically at every game. So that'll be, that'll be kind of neat. Um, so it'll, it's a, it'll be a fun experience. I'm really looking forward to it. I heard a lot of good things. Everybody's been really welcoming. Um, you know, when I went through the interview process, you know, I, I said there's there are very few jobs, I think, in the country that could get me to lead the morning news because I absolutely loved it there. And, I mean, that place was fantastic. Um, and, and, you know, covering the NFL for ESPN was one of them. So it's a it's a really good position to be in, and I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm in terms of opportunities in the sporting journalism world, I mean, that's got to be a, a dream destination. So um, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Like Ben, uh, I think over the years that you've been the A&M reporter for the DM Dallas Morning News, uh, you've developed, uh, I guess, the nice way to say it would be a, a reputation as being extremely objective, uh, which is sometimes uh, rubs the fans the wrong way. I guess they want some fans seem to want their beat reporters to be, uh, I guess, uh, homers. <laughs> for lack of a better word. It's almost like they've been conditioned that way. Yeah. So, uh, so what about, uh, the NFL fans? Are you going to, are you going to keep the same objective attitude, uh, when, for ESPN or, or is there going to be more pressure to, I guess, give things a more, uh, I guess, team friendly slant? Uh, you know, we haven't had our, the, you know, the B the BOMC hasn't met this month yet. <laughs> so now that you're part of ESPN, you really go next level BOMC. So, um, you know, once we get our marching orders, then we'll go from there. So, that's why they were looking at DMN in particular, because they knew you would know exactly what to do. Um, so you were handpicked to carry out this mission. I mean, most casual listeners won't realize that the Bengals are part of this plot to elevate Texas, but it goes really deep. Oh, it's 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 real. It's, it, uh, we don't have time to get into the whole conspiracy. I mean, it'd be a new podcast. Uh, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be fun. I, I think what I've really realized is that as you go up, because it, it, this is a kind of really neat in all seriousness, because, you know, I've, I've done, I started out my career in preps, uh, went to college and, you know, was really lucky to cover a, a program like A&M and the SEC and then going to the pros. And I think what you tend to realize is that as you go up, the fans get much more critical, especially at the pro. Like I've already heard so many people like we, we can't stand this franchise. Like this thing sucks. I'm like, whoa, it's kind of weird. Like I says, not, I'm not used to this. So um, so I honestly, the objectivity may be a little bit where you're trying to just like keep them rational in some ways and say the sky's not falling all the time. Um, so it, I mean, I, every fan base is different. Like even at the college level, um, every fan base is unique. So, you know, I, you just kind of feel it out. And, and luckily, you know, I, I, I would have, this job would have eaten me. I mean, hell the A&M job ate me alive that first year. Like I was just trying to survive it. Um, and so, you know, the, I think, you know, luckily I've, I've been able to, 
um, deal with a with a with a really high leverage beat, you know, with a really strong fan base. So everybody's like, "Are you ready for Bengals fans?" And I was like, "Listen, I covered A and M for three years. I think I'm gonna- yeah, <laughs> yeah." But the difference is, I think A and M the fans still have hope. I don't know if the Bengals fans have that. You, yeah, you don't have it until something clicks. I mean, Browns fans are now popping up out of the woodwork. So that's true. Yeah, um, you just you just all it takes is some good momentum, and all of a sudden, your 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 title championship bound. So. What are the differences in like a, or what differences do you expect in uh, access to like players and and personnel? And you know, I expect that, you know, at least in my experience, that's got to be different than what you've had to deal with in college. Ah, where do we begin? Now we're getting into the podcast, huh? Um, <laughs> yeah, what? But, give us all the dirt on on everybody, please. Honestly, I am very excited about the access. Like, it's very difficult. I don't think fans, especially at AM, realize how difficult it is just to like get through a week's worth of stuff. I mean, it's, I mean, I only got, we only got coordinators the first year. Then Kevin Sumlin realized he was getting canned essentially in 2017. So he's like, oh, there's no point. And then my coordinators talk and they all knew the drill. Um, you know, Jimbo has a, he's got a, like, go look at Jimbo's, co- the contracts for the assistants. There's a massive like confidentiality deal that's like ludicrous. I'm pretty sure it's unenforceable. Um, and Jimbo was like known for not letting any coordinators talk. Like I remember I had to pull t- like we were doing a story on Daryl Dickey. Like it was a pretty positive story. North Texas legend Daryl Dickey. Let me let me preface that. Um, our practice the North Texas practice field is named after uh, the the goat Mr. Dickey himself, uh, who who brought many Sun Belt titles to North Texas. But that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I remember we were doing a feature on him when when A and M uh, hired him, and you know, it was easy to get Vatex head coach uh, Justin Fuente on the phone, got Mike Norvell on the phone, and it was like pulling teeth. And we almost had to put that Jimbo declined to comment in the story. And I was like, dude, we just need five minutes of your time to talk about your OC. And never was Jimbo realized that he was going to get hit with the decline to comment. And he had five minutes available. Um, so I mean, it's just really tough. Like I was honestly, I I was getting close to a breaking point this year where I was just I just about had it. Um, well, you know, I'd kind of let some people internally know that, um, you know, like I was going to keep a running list of like players that we requested that we didn't get. Um, <laughs> and like, I was just so defeated at one point. I was like, what's the point? And like, there might be some people like I would have like, liked to talk to Brent a little bit and some of the other people and see if they actually request players. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a crapshoot on it. And so like, I'm just like, and I explained it to somebody as why I really did it. I'm like, why would I get my hopes up if I know I'm not going to get this person? Um, you know, and it makes it really difficult because like guys that you want to do features on, like I remember a prime example of this and I won't name the name, uh, but it's, a, it was a guy who, you know, ended up being drafted within my time there at A&M and he, so he was a, he was, he was an underclassman in 2017. Um, and then it took me two and a half, it took me, I think two seasons to fully write this story. Um, and I like had to apologize to him at the beginning of uh, one, a season and say, Hey man, I know I've been telling you to like, I've been wanting to write the story for a while. Like we just haven't been, a- I just haven't been able to talk to you for whatever reason. Like, it's just really difficult. And that's what really, uh, when, when you look at it, and I know I'm probably just, you know, this is, this is, this is probably a good amount of dirt, but you know, it's, uh, you know, I just, I think that fans might want to know like just how the sausage gets made at times. Sure. And, um, Cause I don't think it's, it's not just an A&M thing. It's really across the SEC. Um, you know, it really doesn't make the job that much fun, especially if you for if you like the if you like the job for what it's supposed to be, which is getting to know uh, the players, kind of tell their stories, like their side of things, kind of flesh them out beyond what they do on Saturdays. 
Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really difficult to do that. And you really sometimes don't get to talk to, um, you know, to some of the people. And I remember, uh, we, I will, we ran into a unspecified A&M player who is a very significant player at A&M during the bowl week uh, for the belt bowl. I was actually, I think right after I ran into, uh, Mr. Coolhand Lucas, I think it was the same night we, we ran into, ran into this guy and, and he was just like, man, I wish we got to talk to the media more. You know, we just, we just can't, you know, and that was under the someone era. Um, and under Jimbo, it's kind of the same way. And, um, you know, you're really seeing across college football. I think now, I think the, the football writer association of America is realizing this is becoming a serious problem. Um, you know, it, and they've now, this is going to be the first year they're going to have working groups and like, like designated people, like, like point people to kind of, if there are access issues, uh, because it is getting really bad and college football is the worst level of the three ones for football in high school in the NFL, you really don't have a ton of issues. Now the NFL isn't great, but college, it's just really, really tough. And so um, I think, you know, fans just kind of just like, you know, I think a lot of fans now are, there's a lot of anti-media sentiment, especially if you're not like a raw, raw person, Mm -hmm. but like we love to tell a lot of good like stories and features. Like that's the stuff I love to do. And like, frankly, you just don't get the opportunity to do that for, for various reasons. So, I am excited. It's a very long way to say uh, I am excited to see kind of what it looks like in the NFL because you're going to get to know players a little bit more on a human level. And that's really, um, I think that's what all writers really want to do at the end of the day. Yeah. Cause, I mean, and that's where the seems to me like, you know, where the good stories are, you know, that's what, and that's really, I think what fans really want to know so you can humanize the players. And Dalen Mack, I don't think talked to the media until his senior year. And I, I'm sure a lot of that was Dalen struggling with, um, you know, like his, the expectations around him. And, you know, I think going to playing for Mike Elko really changed his whole dynamic and his whole career outlook. And I mean, he said that, you know, on the record plenty, um, you know, guys like that, like I speedy and oil never talked once. And I don't think that did speedy any favors. Um, you know, there's just a lot of guys here and there. Like I know there's one current A&M player who they're having trouble to get to talk. And I think he's been, he'd be really good at times. And um, it's just, what my, my thing is, is I think the access isn't for the media necessarily. It's for the players. Like if you write, if you have a bad game, I mean, it's easy to write. You've had a bad game, but I think it's, it's good for the players to kind of explain things why. And so fans don't, I mean, it's for the coaches to kind of do the same thing because it's really easy to be critical after losses. If, if you, if you don't, if, the, if you're not a humanized person outside of what you do on the field. So I, my thing is always, you know, if like if if a team or, or whatever, and it's not like I said, it's not just an A and M thing. So I don't want to just pick on A and M. I know it's I know it's really bad across many other places. Um, but you know, it's it's if a coach or player doesn't want to talk, that's fine. But you know, I'm gonna have to you know write what I'm gonna write, and you know, if you don't want to be a part of it, then so be it. But you know, I can only help you so much, and we we'd like as much. I I tell people all the time, we like as much context as you're willing to provide. But if you're not, we still got to write something at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think a lot of these access issues you're mentioning are, they're detectable in the content that you see across the A&M beat. Um, and it, it's frustrating sometimes, and we make fun of it, obviously, at Good Bull Hunting, when a lot of the coverage is just exactly what you're getting out of the press conference. But it's kind of like, what else can you do? It's not, you're not a uh, a recruiting site, so you can't just make stuff up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there there have been guys who have covered quote unquote covered A and M and been banned from the premises. But like you know, to be honest, like Taylor Ham did not have like credentials to anything, and he still you know covered A and M for as long as he possibly could. So I mean, it's possible. Like you don't need access to to function. 
Uh, but no, it is, it is difficult and you know, but it, it is what it is. Yeah. You can't go too into too much more de- detail in case you end up, um, 10 years from now on the, uh, athletic covering A&M. I think Texas would melt down if it's still, I think even further, <laughs> I think it, it'd just get worse. Like yeah. if I had announced anything to the athletic, like the, the, it would have just been just complete mayhem. So do you read, do you read Texas at all? They had some long threads about about your next destination and they oh yeah it was great it was great i think uh the i think one of the the staffers is a bengals fan he was already lamenting the fact that i'd be covering their team and like i liked all the folks over there uh for the most part um you know it's like gabe and 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 billy like i like people always ask me what billy lucci's like and i'm like honestly lucci's a very really nice guy i like lucci i respect what he's done like he makes more money than everybody put together um, and he built, and he built that, you know, put a lot of work into it. And, and honestly, that might be like for all the problems that I do have, like from like a journalism standpoint with how Texags affects the market, I think Texags might be the best, best board like platform in the country. Like I would be stunned if anybody does what they do. Like I am always just like, you guys do what? Like they, their studios and credit, like the way that they roll things out. Right. Um, I mean, they do a lot of ambitious things. So uh, but yeah, like I, but I, I read Texags with the caveat, um, and I, I will admit freely that I, I do want, I do like to see what they say about me from time to time, like everybody does. But the rule is, is that if you search your name on a platform where you're not mentioned directly, and this goes for athletes on Twitter too, you are not allowed to complain about it. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> That's a good rule. Oh because you actively sought it out. So why are you complaining about something you wanted to go see? Oh, so yeah. like if I saw like like my favorite tech, I someone asked me in my my goodbye to the DMN they're like what's the worst piece of hate mail you got, and it was some Texags user said, if Ben Baby was fighting Al Qaeda I'd root for Al Qaeda, and I died laughing like that was great, um, like I'm not gonna like that was that's a brilliant, mm. uh, but B like you know like I'm not gonna get worked up like and that's also like the fans should be able to be like our beat like not like the beat writer like. Like that's like the message boards and like Twitter or whatever. Like if you come into my mentions, that's a, kind of a different story. But like, like they should be able to go out and like go and say whatever. Like that's their right. That's what I signed up for as a writer. Like I signed up to get critique for a living. If I didn't, then I shouldn't have picked to be a writer because it's a very public profession. Like I've got to go do something. I've got to find another thing to do. Like I've never really understood why writers will will complain about about different things. Like, I think that I do have some gripes about like different things with, with the way the, that we reviewed, uh, like the narrative around the DMN coverage, like that, that kind of annoyed me a lot, but by and large, like you should know that you're going to get criticized a lot if you're a writer, because that just comes with the territory. You write, like it's one of the very few jobs where you're critiqued on a daily basis by the general public. And so like, you've got to bring your A game every day. So I'd never had any qualms with any of that. I always enjoyed it. I'm I'm just glad I never contributed to the DMN stuff. Yeah. <laughs> never, never. Never. I, never. I will say, I will say it kind of did set the tone. I do have a small beef with you. A very small beef. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, because I think a lot of this, it was around the, because I kind of got a, I, it kind of set the tone for what I thought was going to be like. And this isn't a criticism of you at all. I think it's just, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but like whenever the UCLA game happened and there were some headline comparisons, um, about in 2016 when AM um you know blew blew uh, the lead late in fourth quarter and then survived in overtime to win that game like there was a compare it was like why is the DMN so negative and it was a I, I want to say it was like the Houston Chronicles or the Austin American Statesman's like gamer 
versus our column. And I was like, oh, these are two completely different things. Oh, that, book, yeah, that's something I would I definitely do. Yeah. And I was, but it just became a bit, and I remember sitting in church like the next day, I was like, it's my, my first game. And like, people were just lighting us up. And I'm like, dear Lord, like, really? Like y'all just won and everyone's still upset. And I was like, oh, this is going to be like, this is going to be an experience. So um, <laughs> well, I was uh, helping to manage expectations. <laughs> no, so, I mean, and, but like, it, I, I think there's like, I asked somebody at, yeah, at A&M, they're like, honestly, it goes back to like the eighties and the whole like Kevin Murray stuff and yeah. stuff with Jackie. Like I've got, the, I've got a, th- there was a thick manila folder on my desk that like, when we were moving offices, somebody was like, I think there's an A&M folder here. And I put it on my desk and it was like this lawsuit that like A&M and all the like investigations with the NCAA and the reporting and like all the like letters from John David Crow. And it was just a ton of stuff. And I was like, ah, this is where all this stems from. So oh. like, I, I get it. I was actually really neat to read it, but you know, it is what it is. I can't control any of that. Like I, I kind of sound like a coach, but you just, you just go out and do the best job you can do. And you know, you, if people like it, great. If not, then, then so be it. But you know, I, I think you can't let, you know, the general public dictate what you're going to do. I mean, if you think that you're supposed to do your job a certain way, I think you do it. And if it works, then and great. If not, then they'll fire you and you'll go do something else, but at least you'll know you gave your best shot. That was very coach like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm but, uh, uh, I'm a whore for attention. So anytime I make fun of the DMN, it's just cause I know I'm going to get 200 retweets on it. Yeah. yeah no, I, no, I, I, it's true, but it does it like in all seriousness, that, that kind of stuff does shape the perception of us. Um, and it does make things difficult, you know, for us in, in the long run. And like, that's like, and like I said, I'm not trying to pick on you in any way, but that does shape the perception and it kind of reinforces that, oh, like they're just out to get us and like they're just, mm-hmm. they're just looking for something negative. And like, I, people like somebody at AM, like, had the, like, like, ref, like, who deals with the media said this to me. And I was just like, you guys understand that like probably 90% of our content's probably pretty neutral and or positive. But it's, it's just that 10% that everyone gets really worked up about. And, you know, I, I do think that the percentage of probably like negative A&M stories from us is probably higher than it, than it is from any other outlet in the market. Yeah. Or the, when. But I think if you, I, I've always made the argument that if you put that percentage up against other markets, other big college football markets, it would be right in line with what you see at other places. So I mean, a and is, is just a really unique, unique market. And, you know, I think Tex-Ags has a lot to do with it. I think just the A&M mindset and just the fact that, that Aggies collectively, um, there's a lot of group think, I think a lot on this, in, in this fan base more so than you see in other fan bases. So that plays a lot into it. Like there's a lot of things to unpack that we do, honestly don't have the time for. Um, yeah. but, you know, it's, you know, it, it is what it is. And you just kind of got to adapt to the situation and move on. Is there is there any pressure like from the administration or uh, I guess even the coaching staff to like sort of serve as a, on like outlets like the Dallas Morning News or that the Houston Chronicle to like kind of serve as a mouthpiece for the program? I mean, I mean, I don't want I don't want to put words in people's mouths. I can't say that for definitively. Um, I think generally, by and large, I think you're starting to see more and more uh, uh, pushback from. I think more and more places expect you to kind of be that way. Like, uh, you know, whether it's coaches and like, is it not just at A&M? I think it's across the board. I think you just expect like, some people understand how, how it works. And some people just think you're supposed to do PR. And um, I don't, I never really had those kind of conversations with anybody specifically at A&M, but 
you know, like I, there, I've got personal feelings here and there, but you know, I don't like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to paint anybody with a broad brush or make assumptions because if I don't know, like, a, like I, I do it like I am reporting. If I don't know it for fact, I'm not going to say it. Um, and I don't, I don't want to, I mean, I think that's a pretty strong thing to say about administration. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good folks at, at, at A&M and I enjoyed working with a lot of the people over there, but I think by and large, like whether it's athletes, coaches, teams, whatever, and that, not just in colleges, but just across sports in general. Now, I think you're seeing a lot of pushback if you're just being any somewhat negative and like, that goes back to like a cultural thing. Like I, we probably don't accept criticism now as a, like a, as society that maybe we did 20 years ago and, and whatever. I mean, I've had like, you know, was, I think I had a really good conversation with Gene Stallings about his approach to the media that I enjoyed. Um, you know, and, and, and it's just, it's been fascinating to kind of see it develop over time. And I've, I've frankly, I think the good coaches and like the good programs generally don't care. Like they generally don't read a lot of that stuff. Like Nick Saban's a master of like just finding the one thing to motivate his team and then use that. Like that's kind of what he used it for. But like I remember the first coach I covered uh, at the high school level, Joey Florence at Denton Ryan. He, um, he, he, I don't think he even subscribed to my, the paper I wrote for. I don't think he ever read anything I wrote. Like he, that's what he kept telling me. He's like, I don't read anything. Like I'm not trying to. Like I'm sure you do a good job, but I really just can't get caught up in that. Um, and so, and he was really good at his job. Um, and and I think a lot of people, when you start reading, like it would be like if I read text ags all the time, and that's how I that's how I perceived how I did my job, or like you just can't do that. Like you've got to have a certain amount of people you trust, um, you know, and say, okay, like are we doing the things we need to do to be successful? Great. Like like Jimbo shouldn't care about what I say. Like Kevin Sumlin shouldn't care about what I say because I mean that's his program. He knows that better than I do. He knows what's going on. So. Um, you know, I think you just got to be confident that you, what you're doing will work. Um, you know, and everyone's got a job to do. And so like, like I said, I can't get upset at Texas posters, like for, or like, like two, four, seven posters or, or whatever other, like uh, they're like website, like website or whatever. There's like another message board. I ain't in one. I can't, can't think of right now. Ag times. Ag that times. That's it. Ag <laughs> times. Yes. Like, you know, if you, like you can't get worked up about these things. Like if you did, you would just go literally insane and lose sleep at night and, like it can like severely damage like your mental health and you won't do function. That's just, you can't do it. So you just got to kind of disregard what like even administrators like think how coaches think I should do your job. Like, thanks, but you know, I'm going to stick to what I do and you know, just see if it works. Uh, but still in like the same regard, like if, if you, uh, I can't remember any severely negative stories that you've written or anything like that, but if you read something that was critical of A&M, what did you, uh, would it be colder the next time you walked into the office to cover A&M? Oh, uh, I don't, I mean, I didn't really walk in the office too much. Uh, man, we could, I mean, there's a lot of things I probably shouldn't say, so I will not say, mm-hmm. um, because I, I do have respect for uh, the people, some of the people that, that are still over there and I enjoyed it, but no, I mean, I think the coaches understood it. Like Kevin, someone and I get along great. Um, and Kevin and I generally didn't like each other at all. Um, like it got to a point, um, you know, I, I try to like, you know, say, Hey Kevin, like, is there, if you're mad, are you mad at me? Like, can you, can we talk about this? Kevin's like, Nope. And, you know, just kind of went under the bridge the rest of the season. And now like, I think I called Kevin for a feature on, on Eric McCoy and he, he called me back instantly. And, um, you know, and, and like, if I, I, I joke, I think my, my now wife, like is thinks it's ridiculous that Kevin and I get along well. Cause we, I mean, anybody could have watched the pressers and could have seen like, there was, there was, you know, you just don't get along. You just, we just didn't get along that well, but that's, that's part of the relationship. Like I'm going to sit there and needle him all the time. And he's got to sit there and, you know, and, you know, and he liked that he enjoyed the give and take, but, 
Um, you know, I think one of the, the pieces of advice that sports writers always give other sports writers is that generally if you're just a complete pushover, coaches don't respect you at all. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I definitely just try to, you, I think there's a, you want to find that fine line of holding your ground, but at the same time, not trying to just, just be, just, uh, just, just be a pain in someone's side just for the sake of doing so. Um, you know, I think there's a lot, it's just like any relationship. There's a lot of give and take, but, but no, I mean, it, you know, when you stop covering a coach and, and deal with it, like Kevin, like I said, like we get along fine now and, you know, I wish him nothing but the best at Arizona and for him personally. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just part of the job. There's a lot of, there's a lot of friction that can happen over time. Like I, I told him, I said, I will not, I will never be offended if you wake up at like six thirty in the morning, call to yell at me about whatever, and then get it out of my, get it out of your system. Like, I think that's healthy. I think more coaches should just call up their sports writer at six o'clock in the morning, yell at them for about 10 minutes and then move on. Yeah. Um, because I had a coach, like my first coach did that. I, if I, he didn't like what I wrote after Friday night game, I get a phone call at 6 a.m. Saturday and then he'd yell at me for a little bit. Then I'd go on Tuesday, like nothing ever happened. At, you, you cover a lot of games. You go a lot of places. Uh, I, I work with the Independence Bowl. And one of the things that I'm tasked with is making it uh, more hospitable to media members and trying to figure out things that they like and things that they really like. Um, <laughs> they asked me because I'd covered a few bowl games, like, uh, what, are, you know, what are some things that they like? And then, of course, uh, I won't say I was ignored, but they did things that they'd always done, you know, just give some snacks out and, um, you know, keep some drinks available at the hotel and everything. But I guess my question would be is, uh, what are some of the better things uh, that you could give the media to make them enjoy coming uh, to cover your venues uh, I mean, whatever the Cotton Bowl does, really, like the Cotton Bowl. That's day, not fair. We can't do that. <laughs> I mean, the Cotton Bowl is like a David Buster's. Like, whenever the morning news was, whenever our building was right across from the Omni, like we used to walk over there, eat lunch, play games for like an hour, and then go back to the office. Like, it was like, the, that was like, oh, the Cotton Bowl's in town? Yeah, I'm going to be in the office this week. I'll be in there. I'll be in here a good amount. Um, like, no, but you can't get it. Like, that's the creme de la creme. But by and large, like, I, like, I, I'm very, I have very low expectations of like anything. As long as I can like get my work done, um, it's not like a, a just a ridiculous environment. Like, you, like the Wi-Fi works. Like they've got some water here. They've got coffee. Oh, I'm, I'm a big coffee guy. So um, Kyle Field had the coffee on deck, which I always appreciated. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like access is. I think access is always the biggest thing. Like, like you'll go to bowl games and they'll just like the access will be terrible, and I'm just like, what are y'all doing? Like this is like like PR for you, like. Like, and some people just kind of let things slide here and there. Like I was stunned at how little Jimbo talked leading up to the Gator Bowl last year. Like it was, I think he talked for like a grand total, of like seven minutes over the course of two days. And I'm like, and I was like, man, if I'm a Gator Bowl person, I'm kind of upset because I mean, this is like free PR for us, you know, get a lot of content out of that. And, you know, Jimbo does not really, you know, he doesn't do a lot of media stuff. So, um, you know, I think that would be the biggest thing. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's, that's the number one factor is, are we going to be able to get the biggest bang for our buck? And, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of new news organizations now with, with shrinking, um, salaries and, 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 and payrolls, they're really asking that not just about just bowl games, but about covering college football and sports in general. I mean, the amount of jobs that have shrunk since I, since the last three years, it's, it's pretty remarkable. And a lot of people are asking, uh, is there enough bang for our buck? And if you will notice, I would just, I'm just going to – I'll let you all put two and two together. Um, my old position is not listed as an A&M beat writer anymore. Uh, that position is now listed as an SMU beat writer. So uh, mm. take it for what it's worth. 
Interesting. Maybe they're just going to syndicate Good Bull Hunting. Yeah, that, they're, they're going to rely on us. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, But to uh, be well, fair, uh, with Jimbo's access for the Gator Bowl, seven minutes of Jimbo talking is like two and a half hours for anybody else. See, I think a lot of so a lot of people say that, but the thing is, Jimbo is a master at saying a lot of words without saying much of anything at all. Right. And so <laughs> he like, can really work a down, room. He can. Yeah, he's he's got that down to an art form. But by the way, you listen to the audio, and then at the end of it, you're just like, wait a minute, like this is all fine, but he didn't really say anything. <laughs> you have like, half a quote. Even, yeah, it's like half a quote, but it's not even that. It's like it's a pretty like pretty mild quote that really doesn't. It's not insightful. I'm just like, okay, like I'd rather have a guy who says like a one, one sentence quote, but it's a lot of insight into it. Um, then I, then a guy who just talks a lot and doesn't really say anything, you know, Jimbo, Jimbo's got that down. So, um, but yeah, like it's, 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 a, Jimbo's got it. He's mastered it. He's, 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 he's what he is and where he's at for, a, for a very good reason. Okay. Well, we got you here and, and you're about to stop covering Annie forever, but you've been around the program a lot for, I guess the past years, uh, do you have any insights or predictions as to how things might go this year? I think I, if I had to pick them for the season, I think I would have been eight and four with them beating Georgia. Um, I think they'll, I I think that eight and four is probably going to be, I think that's a really good year given how tough it is. I think the Auburn game's a must win game for them if they, because I think if not, you've really got to go out and upset one of those big four teams in LSU, Georgia, Clemson, or Alabama to even finish eight and four. Otherwise, you're looking at seven and five. And I just don't think that's going to sit really well, even though it's a tough schedule. Like, it's just seven and five just doesn't sit well. I mean, Kevin Sumlin at his worst was seven and five, and that's when he was already fired. Um, He was already canned at that point. He was just kind of coaching for coaching to make sure he can get another job somewhere else. Um, so, you know, it's, I think that would be, be difficult. So the Auburn game is a must win game, but I think that you're going to hear a lot of rebuilding talk mm-hmm. and, and the future is going to be for 2020. Um, but really, um, A&M is good enough to compete this year. Like don't be fooled by like the lowering of expectations. Like this is a team who have a lot of true freshmen in 2017 start or take significant snaps. I think that, you know, they've got some pieces to be really good. I think, now that you're in year two of Mike Elko's scheme, which is actually, I think, really a very underrated thing that people have talked about, how much of a jump it was from going from John Chavis to Mike Elko, that has not been discussed nearly enough because that was like night and day. Like going from someone in Jimbo was, was you know, I think that was much easier for the offense. Um, you know, and I could be, this could be a very hot take and a very bad opinion, shocking coming from me. That's what we want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I, I mean, like you can, you go ask anybody in like Chavis's defense compared to Elko's defenses, it's way more complex. So there's a reason a lot of guys who looked good in Chavis's defense did not look good in Elko's. Um, so I think that's going to be huge, but I mean, this, this, they should compete. Like they shouldn't get, they shouldn't be getting blown out of any, any games this year. Um, and then 2020, obviously, when the schedule, like what everyone's really saying is whenever the schedule gets a lot worse, A&M has a chance to be better, which I don't really know what that says about your program, that you've got to have a really weak schedule to be good. Like if I always like the idea of, you know, one of the exciting things about going to SEC is playing games that matter. You know, you know, being in the spotlight, and that's one of the things that helps you get on game day more, you get talked about more, you have chances to take on and win games that really matter when you play these top 10 teams. Nobody's going to talk about, uh, you know, beating Kansas State in October ever, you know, and nobody's going to remember that. But you will remember, you know, the game against LSU, and you will remember the time you beat Alabama 
and and if everything if all the plans align, you know, you will remember when you won the conference. Right. No, I I agree, and I think that like it will. So like now, once you get Colorado instead of Clemson, and Vandy comes back on the schedule, like Adam has been around long enough, they're going to play Vandy twice, um, which that's going to be a very interesting milestone. Uh, it's going to be a quirky one, but a milestone nonetheless. Um, you know, A&M's got a realistic chance to make some noise. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, they, I, I think that, you know, realistically 2020 is going to be their window and that's going to be their first real window since winning, since 2016. Uh, and I don't think people really fully comprehend how much changed uh, during the Mississippi State and Mississippi games. Like, I didn't really fully get it because that was my first season. I was like, oh, I think I wrote a call, like, going into the Texas Bowl. Like, oh, you know, nine wins would still be decent because they haven't done it in a while. And I was like, no, this was a catastrophic collapse. Windows closed forever, and that wrote the book on Kevin Sumlin. Like, that's what we should have wrote at the end of 2016, and we didn't. Um, you know, and, and I think 2020 is going to be that when that window is really opened again. And that 2020 is a massive year for A&M, because if, if Jimbo has a good year, things can really get rolling. Um, you know, he could recruit really well at the level that he needs to, and you could have double-digit win seasons here on out. But if that doesn't go well, then you go into year four and you really haven't gotten what you wanted out of the guy who's getting 7.5 million a year. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot riding on next year. So I don't want to diminish that, but I still think the team should be competitive and good. And they, you know, frankly, I, I expect them to go out and, and give one of those really good teams on the schedule a game this year. And like I said, I think, you know, Georgia could be a very winnable game at the end of the year if they get rolling. Yeah. And I think eight and four, maybe blow out a team in a bowl game to set up 2020 would be, would be a pretty successful year. No, I, I agree. I agree. And I think, if, I think you're given how tough the schedule is, you're excited about that, but I think that you, A&M should be competitive and you should want to, you should be in the hunt in the fourth quarter, like you were against Clemson um, against, against basically every team. Like it shouldn't be a foregone conclusion that they're losing that game. Except maybe against Clemson, but we'll see. Except maybe, yeah, that that might that might get a little ugly because yeah. Trevor Lawrence, the secondary, might be might be might be a lot. So we'll see. Well, we'll Lawrence see. is really good. <laughs> Just, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm stressing. So we we got some questions for you. I'm not going to ask too many of them, but maybe we'll breeze through a couple. Fortunately, they were redundant. A lot of people wanted to know why you hate A and M. Frankly, a lot of the beat is is by and large pro A&M for, I think you're going to get a lot of that. Either it's going to be neutral and kind of skew a little bit positive. Like anytime the defense starts doing really well, all of a sudden the wrecking crew gets thrown around and then they give up like 600 yards the next game. Right. <laughs> um, so like, like in 2016, like, like they, they beat Arkansas and everyone's like, the wrecking crew's back. And then they close the year by giving up. Like it was just a ridiculous, like LSU. Like I remember a, a freeze frame where there was like nobody within 10 yards of Darius guys like that defense was just gas at the end of the year. Um, so I think there's that, there's that part of it. Um, you know, I will say like, I, I think that there are some things I should have done better and I would have done better. Um, I definitely think I was probably too young for, for that job. Um, you know, come, I was only 24 when I got in there. Um, normally like person who should have that job should be about like my age now, like 27, 28. But, you know, I think what you're seeing a lot of is because of the way the industry is going younger, is you're getting a lot of people getting thrust into really good jobs who probably aren't ready for them yet. And I'm fully like, I don't think I was ready for that. I was just like trying to survive that first year. I think I was probably way too snarky on Twitter that first year. And that, that rubbed a lot of people that wrong way. And, and frankly, I think that created a, a first impression that was kind of really hard to shake off. And 
um, you know, that's one thing I could do over again, I would definitely do that. And, um, you know, I think I was so nervous about, um, cause you, there's, there's a national reputation about, you know, the A&M beat by and large kind of being more pro A&M than or pro their school than other beats around the country. Um, and I think I, I had that in the back of my mind and was like, just, Oh, I can't, you know, I, I should have just done what I thought I should do best. And I think I'll let that affect me too much. And, um, you know, oh, like think, an overcorrection. Yeah, I think so. I think if I could go back and do it over again, I would. I think I'd still, I think what I was the last couple of years is probably what I, what I'd always be. And a lot of people still didn't like it, but I, I was a lot happier with the way that went and like, who knows what happens after that first year. But by and large, I think it got rolling um, towards the end. I was really happy with what we did. And, um, you know, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how A&M is covered. Like I said, I think my old B position, they're now going to primarily cover SMU. I don't believe I'd be, I'd be surprised if the athletic has an A&M dedicated beat writer, um, you know, um, covering them. And so if you're A&M at that point, I think you've got to be asking uh, a lot of internal questions as to why that's the case. What can we do it doing better? Will they do that? I don't know. Um, because then you only leave one regional paper really covering you. And it's a Houston Chronicle. Um, and Brandon's a great job and I really like him a lot, but um, ideally as a program, you want the, and the SEC really wants the Dallas market. Um, I know Greg Sankey's really, I mean, they're probably they're Dallas in the hunt for media days. Um, they could get it either next year or 2021. So it's very important. Uh, this is kind of the hub of college football right now with how many conference offices and just things are moving to Dallas. So, you know, that's going to be really fascinating from like a media perspective. Nobody's going to care about that, but um, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I, I really did. I, 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 you know, I, I wanted to do a good job. Like nobody goes out and be like, all right, how can I be bad at my job today? Um, we wanted <laughs> Like, you know, we wanted to give A&M fans, you know, the best coverage we thought possible. And, and frankly, like it didn't, I don't think it helped me at all that they were never better than eight and four during any season I covered. Like I didn't get one of the Johnny years. Like I didn't even get a nine win season. Um, you know, I got them losing to Kansas state in a bowl game, losing the, you know, the lame duck year with Kevin Sumlin and then their first year at Jimbo, which turned out to be, you know, okay. You know, I think they had the LSU game had Kevin Mond's knee not been down we could be talking about a much different A&M program next season. So, um, you know, I think that didn't help a lot, but, you know, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was, it was fun. We, you know, hopefully there were some fans out there who, who liked what we did. And, you know, I think my, 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 my parting shot and kind of the last thing I want to say um, is I think fans, you know, I think you don't really, if you only want to hear the good things about your program, I don't think you ever really going to grow because there's a lot of blind spots that you're not going to see until it's too late. And then you're going to be wondering why all these things happen. Um, but if you've been looking critically the whole time and, and really getting a true evaluation of what's occurring, maybe you can stop that from happening. Maybe you can look at Texas A&M at 6-1 in 2016 and going, you know what, maybe our defense is on the field for too long. Maybe this is something we've got to fix. Or, or maybe you know, we can't be giving away this game to UCLA and just kind of blowing it. And, and really that 20, that first game I ever covered foreshadowed exactly what would happen in the whole Kevin someone era. And it kind of, it was him in a nutshell. You start out hot and things just fall apart at the very end inexplicably, uh, you know? And so I think uh, for the a fan base, like as a whole, like you don't want to be just cynics all the time and just be like, cause that's not, you, if you're a fan, you want to be optimistic. You always want to think this is going to be the year that we're going to do it. But at the same time, I think just like just having a slight dose of like, like reality, for lack of a better phrase, I think it's good because if you can really like for me, if I have an editor that only tells me good things, I'm like, dude, I don't want you to be my editor or, or may I'm like, please don't be my editor because 
that doesn't help me out. Cause if I like, I need you to be the one to stop me from putting bad content out there. Like we all need editors. So like you need someone to, to be critical of your work and to be critical of what's going on. I mean, frankly, I think like a lack of criticism is one of the worst things you can have. Cause I, I think that you can't take that thing seriously. Like, like if you're, if you're an AM fan base, you should want a critical press corps because I mean, that's what it's like in the big leagues, like in the NFL. Like I had a conversation with an NFL player who graduated from A&M a couple of years ago and he was out with the, uh, for some of the younger guys. He was like, when you get to the league, it's all different. Like you're not going to get what you get here over there. And they didn't really fully comprehend that. So, um, you know, I think there's a, you know, I'm sure it's a lot to unpack, but you know, I think it's, it's good to kind of seek out what can be done better. And I think y'all do a good job of that too. And don't, don't always give into the, the rah, rah or what's, a lot of people just let the Texas premium board dictate what the thought process should be at A&M. And it's not just fans, it's administrators as well, which is kind of terrifying. Um, so, you know, I think that as long as you kind of stay away from that, I think, you know, it, things will, things will be okay. And it is, like you said, if you wrote that story in 2016 that you mentioned, you would have been raked over the coals, even if in hindsight, it turned out to be correct. People would, they'd still hate you for writing that story in, now in 2019. Right. But honestly, if I can go back and do it all over again, I would have been much more critical in that year because yeah. I don't think anybody, nobody fully understood how catastrophic that was. And that like, that altered the, the, that like in all seriousness, that altered A&M's program forever. Like the, the, the back-to-back Mississippi losses, if those don't occur, like who knows what's ha- what, what this program looks like right now. Um, and that really just altered the entire future of the program moving forward. And it's just crazy how just a couple possessions, a couple games can just can, can do that. But but yeah, no, that's I wish if I can go back over again, yeah, I definitely would have been a lot more critical of that the way that year finished up. Okay, uh, a few rapid fire questions before you go. Yeah, uh, single best player you covered at A and M. Oh, Miles Garrett by mile. Okay, most fun player you covered at A and M. Also, Miles Garrett by mile. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> uh, um. Let's see, uh, best uh, restaurant in College Station. Ooh, I will go to the m- most repeatable one. Uh, I think Fargo's is probably the best one, but it's too heavy, and I I didn't get to eat it as much as I would like. I honestly, like Mad Taco. I, it's probably a very bad take, uh, but the reason I like Mad, it's they don't do a lot with the taco. Like, you can actually taste everything that's in it, and it's not so heavy. And especially for me when I'm driving back. Um, you know, I liked Matt a lot, um, but um, in the Jesse's Tacos or Jesse's Taqueria would actually be the far and away number one if they were open just a little bit longer. They just they just open long enough. Worst road trip in the SEC? Mississippi State by a mile. <laughs> That's what I was. They named it Starkville for a reason. Yeah. Um, uh, most underrated player you covered? Oh, I, I don't know. Maybe I think people don't realize how good Otaro Laka was last year. And like he did for all the hype that Tyrell Dotson got, like Otaro Laka should have actually gotten. I thought he was good. Um, I mean, that could we could go on for hours for this, but uh, but I think off the top of my head, I think he would be he would definitely be up there. Favorite moment and worst moment, they'll be the last two. Uh, favorite moments that's a good one. Like anytime I got to I got to talk to a player for like more than five minutes on a one on one. That was more great. specific than that. I'm not gonna let you off the hook for that one. Oh, it, it didn't happen very often. So I you have to relish those moments when they occurred. Uh, favorite favorite like game moment. I would say I thought the honestly the the UCLA game in 2016 was a lot of fun. Um, you know those were a lot of really great players on the field that day. 
on both teams. Um, and so that was, that was a blast. I really loved like anytime I was like the road game atmospheres were just incredible. Uh, the 74, 72 game was just so much fun on a lot of different levels. And, um, you know, anytime where you actually felt like you were part of something that wasn't just completely synthesized and just, and just sanitized and, um, where you felt like this was real and it was gritty and it was just great. I can't, believe, I also hate that I just use the word grit, but <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's I, I, I can't think off the top of my head that nothing really sticks out aside from Odell Beckham climbing into the stands and LSU in 2017 to yell at the band to play neck. I think that's probably the best. That's the one I like to tell the most. That's good. And you paid for it too. That's awesome. I was, I was writing the story in the bleachers as Odell Beckham's climbing in there. So that was that was fun. Neck is great. Neck should be encouraged. Not, you know, I, I, I spent some years in LSU and uh, when they were playing neck in their heyday and it's just, it's fantastic. It should be brought back. What about the worst? So you, he asked the worst too, or maybe the most ridiculous something. Oh man. I thought I was going to, I thought y'all were going to let me slide on that. (laughs) No, no, no. I was really hoping that'd be the case. I don't know if there was like a, uh, I can't think of like a worst moment that people would actually care about. Was it, was it the head, was it the headline comparison tweet? (laughs) No, no. no. (laughs) Um, I honestly can't think of something that was just off the, like, like I, it's going to sound bad, but there's so, there's so many things that I just didn't like that just ran. It just all runs together at this point. Yeah. That's any job. What you miss the, what will you uh, not miss the most? I think the access and just kind of dealing with the politics of everything. And I know it's probably going to be that way still in the NFL, but I was just, I was just over it. It just, I really wish this job was more fun. Like I, I, it, it just wasn't all the time. And that really sucks. Um, like I really like, we like covering this. We like telling good stories and you just didn't get a chance to do that. And it was really frustrating. Like I never got a chance to really get to know the players. And I don't think a lot of the schools want you to, um, on a personal level. Um, cause for whatever reason, like you got paranoid coaches or like overbearing SIDs or I don't know what, but, um, you know, I think that, that really was a bummer. I, like, I wanted this job to be more fun. I think sometimes you could tell, like, I just, there, there are weeks where we just weren't having a blast and, um, that's one thing I'm, I'm not going to miss. I'm, I'm really excited to get to talk to players a lot more, kind of get to know who they are. And if they suck, they suck, but at least you'll get to know a little bit about them. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of getting away from kind of the SEC way of, of covering college football. I liked RCB's question, but since you've only spent three days in Ohio, I don't think you can really answer it. He's, he asked Cincinnati chili or Texas chili. Uh, I'm like, by default, I just have to go Texas. Yeah. So. You'll have to report back on the Skyline Chili because I think it's polarizing people. Yeah, if like, you've never had it, it's awful. It or they hate I'll it. tell you, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. So, uh, Thank you for giving us some real insights about uh, access at A&M, some of the highs and lows and um, everything else in between. And good job, Lucas, asking good questions because as everyone knows who listens to me, I don't prepare for anything. Me either. <laughs> I really, honestly, like, thank y'all for kind of having me on y'all. I think y'all gave me a fair shake uh, a lot of the time. I do appreciate that. Like that means a lot to me. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think, it, I think it would be, you know, kind of one of the reasons I kind of did kind of badger y'all a little bit to kind of come on is because, you know, I, I wanted kind of people to get a kind of a fuller picture of what we do. And like, I, that's kind of one of the reasons I did like the A&M press row for tech sags. Like I knew they all hated me. Um, and I was like, you know, I think if they kind of understood kind of what we did on a regular basis, maybe they wouldn't, um, you know, and so I just kind of, I, I think it's, it's good for, for us to be like, kind of how we want teams to be transparent. It's good for the media to be transparent as well, kind of how things, so, so thanks for kind of giving me that opportunity. 
Well, I think it's kind of like why a lot of us do this is like, you know, you know, back when we started doing this in 2012, not a lot of this stuff existed. And, you know, you kind of just want a, a little, I think fans want a little peek behind the curtain to see how things sometimes really work and how the nuts and bolts work and how people talk and how people communicate. That's like you say, that's not completely sanitized, you know, that's, uh, you know, original content or just organic. And uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know some of the people in the press corps and seeing how y'all, how y'all work and how y'all do and definitely created a newfound respect, you know, that I didn't have. No, well, I, well, I appreciate that. There's a lot of good people in that, in that room and that a lot of people do a really good job. And like, I, if at any point, like somebody probably is already upset at something I've said, so they've stopped listening. But, uh, but you know, there's like, I, I really enjoy getting to work with everybody in that press room. They all, given the circumstances, I think everybody does a really good job. They all, they all do their best. Like I said, all of us wake up every day and we want to do, we want to put our best foot forward and, and do our best job possible. And, you know, it was a lot of fun getting to know everybody in there. Um, you know, and it's going to be uh it'll be weird covering, covering the first game of the season and not kind of being in a, being in Kyle field. It's going to take a little bit to get used to. Oh yeah. Now you, you'll, you'll forget to unfollow A&M people. So you'll still stay up to date on everything that's happening. Oh, I've already started. Don't know. I the second I come across other people, I already started. So. <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, best of luck to you, Ben. And uh, we'll we'll have to stay in touch. And at least, if nothing else, you've got to tune into Texags to see if they prefer you or no beat writer at DMN because that'll be uh, <laughs> oh, that's that's going to be really fascinating. But a thing that a lot of beat writers don't realize is once you're gone, everybody forgets you ever existed. So in like three months, <laughs> they're going to forget about Kate. Even even remember Kate. That I was love Kate. Well, that she said she was really good, so she's the exception. But no, I imagine in six months they'll go who, and then they'll be up to something else. Well, they complained about Kate too when she was active. We did. And then we reporting. get to know Kate, and we're like, oh yeah, we're assholes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of what we did with Ben too. Yeah, but. That's how it goes. But uh, have fun. Uh, good luck on this journey you're about to go on to Ohio. Um, I hope everything goes well with the moving process. And uh, what a cool job. Congratulations again. Sounds good. Appreciate it, y'all. Thank you. Listen, people, I know you feel Keep away because we've never been